Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where a bunch of writers sit around, drink tasty beverages, and talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Your host writers today are Chas and Karen Brinchley, John Schmidt, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 131, Interview with Josh Roundtree. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm delighted. You were just at ArmadilloCon recently, right? How was ArmadilloCon? ArmadilloCon is fantastic. It's always, um, you know, I live in the Austin area, so it's my local convention, and um, it's one that I never miss. Uh, and obviously, uh, last year, 2020, um, it was a virtual convention. Uh, this year, it was held in person, uh, you know, with uh, safety protocols in place, and it was just really fantastic to be able to get back in and see um, you know, all, all of our, uh, all of my friends and, uh, and writing buddies and, uh, you know, just everybody who, who congregates to that convention um, had a chance to be on some, uh, some good panels and, and really just catch up with everyone, um, you know, and excited for it again. I'm dying to know if there was cosplay around the masking. I mean, it just seems like this beautiful opportunity. You're in Texas. You have an opportunity to have like the bandana over your N95 mask. I mean, was the were the costumes fun? Tell us. There's not a ton of cosplay going on, uh, although certainly people had um, had creative masks. And uh, you know, w- one of the ones that that um, always stands out is uh, John Picasso, um, who unfortunately couldn't make it this year. He's a regular at ArmadilloCon. Um, several people had uh, masks that he had put out uh, the year before with some of his artwork on there, and and that that's probably my favorite that I saw. And nothing that's uh, gosh, nothing that, that's just way over the top, you know, in a, in a cosplay type of way, or if there was, I missed it. I, it's an opportunity lost. People out there, we have masks. We're like the men in black, only more let's get fun masks at conventions. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm just glad that we have, you know, the, the, we're slowly, slowly starting uh, to get where we can uh, do those again. Oh, exactly so. And I think it'll be really neat when you get everybody, you know, vaccinated up, masked up. Ah, I miss hugging people. Looking for Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm of the school of thought, whatever it takes so we can all get uh, back to our world and get back in the room together with one another. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Fantastic Americana. Got to talk about this fabulous book. Chaz and Karen, you read it, right? Yes, I, I saw it advertised and I was hooked on on Texas writer and stories set in Texas. And, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, stories set in Texas. Yeah. So these are like traditional European fantasy tropes transferred to the United States. And I just loved it. I just loved it. I mean, and even, even things like um, Paul Bunyan that you would expect to see, he added, um, he added, something i don't want to spoil it but he added he added something extra that would just just made it creepy and and wonderful so these are kind of half horror half fantasy you know light horror um dark fantasy uh and some science fiction and i i'm sorry i'm 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 ranting on how good these are and so um but anyway but yes that's what this book is about and um and you know and and I, I would say, where do you get your ideas? But um, <laughs> no. I can tell. You can see this is this is just wonderful. 
Well, I'm, and I'm so glad you you liked it, and I really you know appreciate that. It, it's um, you know, I, I kind of write all over the place. I have a hard time settling down into uh, one genre. So you know, there's some science fiction, there's some uh, fantasy, there's some horror, and, and I you know I love all those things. Um, and and you know, typically some of my favorites end up being the stories where I kind of uh, mix and match those uh, things together. Uh, and, and certainly there is, you know, there's an element there of bringing in, um, you know, fairy tales and folk tales and giving them a little bit, you know, more of a contemporary spin on that. Uh, I love writers uh, who do that. Uh, they're some of my favorites. And, and uh, you know, that's uh, a lot of what I, I strive for. Uh, the, the story you're talking about, Chasing America, um, it's, it's essentially, um, you know, Paul Bunyan being pursued by uh, giant killers, uh, basically uh, taking the Jack the Giant Killer mythology um, and placing it kind of a, you know, across about 150 years of American history as they as they chase him through there. Um, and, and I just love that kind of thing. <laughs> I You had a line in a blog that I read on John Scalzi's whatever site. You said, America is a character that fights and claws and screams its way through most of my stories. Sometimes a hero and sometimes a villain, broken but hopeful, trying to figure things out. That was very powerful for me, the idea of America itself having the identity of being in a story, not just a setting, but a character and, of all things, Americana, and that it is fantastical. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, and certainly, you know, you, you, uh, I read a lot of history and, and, I, and I enjoy it. And there, when you read back through that, um, you know, certainly I think there are times when, uh, America, uh, is a hero and America is a villain and it just depends on, uh, you know, kind of, um, t taking those, taking those stories and looking at them from other angles and trying to come up with, uh, with, with maybe another way to look at it. That's not always your own perspective. Um, you know, I, I, uh, that's part of, you know, bringing in that, uh, European fairy tale type thing, but, um, you know, also just, uh, I, I guess trying to take the, um, American story and look at it for what it is, as opposed to maybe what a lot of us learned it was, you know, growing up in, in, uh, in, a, in American schools. That's there, there is a certain bit to talk about the myth of the American West that we've talked about briefly, the American dream, and yet the reality of the landscape. And, I, I do like the way you kind of changed some of that. Like, for instance, I loved your cure for boyhood, the the story of a coyote who turns into a boy who turns back into a coyote. That was really beautiful. Yeah, I think uh, uh, cure for boyhood, you know, is about the town I grew up in. And, and, you know, what I was trying to do was just sort of build in that longing of, uh, you know, I think a lot of you know, teenagers and, and young people have uh, with a place they grew up where they really just want to be somewhere else, uh, just kind of see the wider world. Um, and I think uh, I think a lot of that ends up running through my fiction, just the uh, not that I don't like where, you know, I grew up, but, um, you know, it was a very small town. And so, uh, you know, there there's just that sensation of, hey, I, I really want to explore the world a little bit more. Um, and, um, you know, and see what it has to offer. And, and I, I see that a lot of my stories, uh, you know, end up having sort of that theme of wanting to be someplace uh, else, uh, maybe than where you are at that given time in your life. So, I can see that. So I have a question, John, not that uh, 
this yearning, do you have a sense of place in this small town, much like Bradbury had? Do you capture that, that the country you came from? Because that's, that's the, the yearning comes from being so strongly in a place that you can yearn for something different. Yeah, I think I absolutely do. Uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, I, I can, I can just feel that place in my bones, you know, and, and it's, uh, I, I've, I haven't lived uh, in West Texas where I grew up, uh, you know, since the early nineties, uh, but it's still very much a part of me. Um, and, you know, when you look through some of these stories, uh, you know, the people and the places, it, it really does draw from that. Um, I, you know, it, it's, this collection um, pulls together stories that span uh, almost 20 years of publication. And so, you know, the, the process of kind of going through these and, and uh, pulling the collection together, it really teaches you a lot of things maybe you didn't know about your writing and kind of, you know, you, the, the themes of what you, you like to talk about. Um, and, you know, I noticed that there, uh, there's a, a lot about, um, you know, just the small town feel of that place, you know, in particular, uh, the, uh, the cotton fields and the dust storms and the wind. And, um, you know, I, I uh, when I was a kid, I worked on my granddaddy's cotton farm. Uh, so all, all those stories that feature that type of thing, including uh, some mention in, in uh, Cure for Boyhood, that's, that's just um, part and parcel of that place. And, you know, it's something that I love. Um, and uh, just expanding that out wider, just uh, Texas in general, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, not all of these stories take place in Texas, of course, but a lot of them uh, do have that tie uh, back to it. Um, I'm a, uh, gosh, I think a sixth generation Texan. So it's, um, you know, it, it's uh, all my family, everybody I, I uh, knew growing up, growing up is, is from here. Uh, I live in uh, Austin today. Um, and, uh, you know, never, uh, never lived anywhere else. So all that is certainly, uh, certainly, uh, tied in tight to me. And I, um, I use that for my stories, whether it's talking about, you know, uh, contemporary settings, or I guess with me more often, it's talking about, um, you know, historical settings. Uh, I really love, um, Westerns and, and the old West, but in particular, I like, uh, writers who kind of reinvent that. Uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, kind of looking at um, American history through a critical eye. One of my favorite writers is Larry McMurtry, uh, and a lot of what he did was really try and um, sort of uh, pop the balloon of, of what we all think of as, as the Old West, you know, kind of the John Ford Western version of, uh, uh, of you know, cowboys and, and, uh, and uh, uh, just that white hat, black hat sort of mentality. Um, and, and I really like that. Um, I, I, I love Westerns, but I, I, I want them to have, you know, a little something like that. Yes. Yeah, so um, this is, this is much more of a technical question, but I will, you know, we weave these in now and then um, when you were putting this collection together, um, how, how did you, how did you decide the order of the stories because, um, I mean, I've done this a time or three myself, and I find it really, really hard. Um, and, you know, so I'm, there, is, there is that whole thing about location and theme and da-da-da-da-da and mood and yada yada. Um, how do you go about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it, it really was more of a challenge doing that than I thought it would be. 
Um, you know, I, I, my first short fiction collection um, came out about 2008, and it was mostly uh, stories that had not uh, appeared anywhere else. I think I had a couple of reprints in that. Uh, and so on. when I went to put this collection together, uh, we, you know, I, I think my first story came out in 2002. So, you know, it's, I had essentially about 20 years worth of stories, uh, somewhere between 60 and 70, uh, all told that, um, you know, had never been reprinted outside of whatever magazine or anthology, you know, they first appeared in. Um, and so I, um, I pretty quickly figured out that I could I, I could make you know what I felt was a pretty solid book by just kind of using those that had that um, kind of uh, fantastic Americana sort of background the, the ones that uh, were sort of set in that time and place and um, so I, I narrowed it down to um, what I considered the best stories that that sort of fell in that realm um, and but when you get down to the point of sequencing. Um, I, I, I really just, I, I, I moved them around constantly over and over and over until it just kind of felt right. You know, my, um, I, I let off with chasing America just because, um, you know, anytime, uh, or often, you know, when, when people ask me about my work, that's the story that they, um, they are most likely to have read. Uh, it was in a really cool anthology series called Polyphony, uh, oh, that Wheatland Press put out back uh, in the mid 2000s. Um, and so that one, uh, I guess, is one of my more well-known stories. So um, I, I originally had, had even considered calling the collection Chasing America and Other Stories. So that one I put kind of as the lead off and then, um, you know, not uh, not very exciting after that. I thought, okay, I need something shorter. So I, I, I kind of, because <laughs> that's kind of a longest story. So um, I kind of put them to where they uh, they had a bit of a flow. I think ultimately the way that it wound up um, is it sort of transitions from straight fantasy stuff to science fiction. Mm -hmm. And and that's not, uh, that's not entirely the case throughout, but, but it it pretty much is, you know, if you, if you kind of read through it, um, it, it starts out with some of the ones that I guess are more um, kind of in that uh, just, uh, historical parts of, of the United States. And then it sort of moves into kind of some of the quirky and weird stuff, uh, which, you know, I truly love. <laughs> uh, and then finally kind of settles into the more science fictional side of it as it goes through. So yeah, it, there's a thread that runs through it that way, but um, if it, if it works, it's, it's more by happy accident than design. I think. Yeah, um, I, it's one of the things that I'm enjoying. I mean, I'm only halfway through so far. Um but it's one of the things I'm really enjoying is that there is a sense here of the author being on a journey themselves, um, as well as each story taking the writer on a journey. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed, I noticed in it that I, I totally appreciated was uh, along with the fantasy elements and some of these others, you actually have a, um, a music, uh, music themes in there too. I also am a huge fan of The Clash. And um, oh, yes, <laughs> appreciated that too because um, again, it's a it's a not expected thing. At least not for me. Maybe I'm just reading in the wrong places. But um, not it was unexpected for me, and I totally enjoyed that. So, um, do you? You know, is that something that you? You know, using musical influences is that? Tell me about that. How yeah, you- no, that, that's that's very very much. Uh, 
you know, part of my thing. I mean, I'm a, uh, a crazy music nerd. Uh, you know, I, I listen to uh, a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously you review this and, and you know, I'm a huge Joe Strummer and Clash fan, but um, I do punk and metal and uh, 50s and 60s country and blues and just yeah. on down the, the line. And so I, um, I'm a, I'm always listening to something and it, that very much does influence what I write. Um, it's, I, 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 you know, whether that is, Hey, I'm going to take, uh, characters, um, in, uh, in who are musicians or, you know, historical figures like, you know, uh, the, the, uh, can't buy me faded love is, uh, is kind of a mashup of, uh, what if, um, uh, John Lennon had, uh, left the rest of the Beatles behind in Liverpool so he could become a Western swing artist and, and help revive Bob Will's career, you know? So I, I love doing that kind of thing. Um, but, and then often it's just, Hey, I, I, you know, this song makes me feel a certain way. And I really want to try and write a story that feels like that, um, that song makes me feel. And that's, uh, I don't think I ever achieved that, but that's what I'm going for, uh, quite a bit. And, um, even when I try and consciously say, okay, I'm not going to have this one be about music. It, it kind of, <laughs> and just becomes the, um, you know, such an influence. I, I was joking around with somebody today that I think my next collection, when I do, it's going to have to be called uh, more stories about music and death, because that seems to be all I'm writing about lately. <laughs> I don't, there was actually something that I noticed and have you ever had somebody come up and say, wow, your story was the perfect inspiration. Again, I'm going to use like the boy and the coyote story again. Um, that could have been the story of a kid that was misgendered at birth. Their parents decided for a gender for them and then they tried to live it, but then they just burst forth their real coyote self. I mean. Absolutely. Um, that story, um, I, I am, I'm, I'm so glad that that is kind of how that's story has been interpreted. Um, I, I did not set out, you know, when I wrote that story to, um, to really, uh, have, have any kind of message in there, like uh, apart from, you know, what I, what I mentioned is kind of the, the, the teenager who's sort of trying to break out of his, his life. Um, but several people have read it that way. And, and when I got about halfway through it, I realized that's what I was actually writing about. <laughs> um, and you know, that, that often happens and, and it's, you know, it's, it's really wonderful when it does, when it sort of takes over and, um, you know, you're trying to tell a story and then it says, no, this is, uh, um, what you're doing is good, but what I'm telling you to do, uh, I'm the news and it's going to be something better. And yeah, uh, that, that story I really ended up loving and, and that's a big part of it. I, I had several people, um, uh, read and review that and come to that exact conclusion. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that, that it has that meaning. How do you approach the writing of short stories? Do you, I mean, you have mostly known for short stories and publications in various places. How do you view it as different than a novel? And is there a novel in you that we're going to be looking forward to? I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I've written, uh, I don't know, six or seven novels and you notice that none of them are published. So that may tell you all you need to know, but I do think, um, I, I do think uh, I will, uh, you know, that's something that's in the future. It, you know, when I first started um, writing, uh, well, I've, I've been writing my whole life, but when I first decided, hey, I really want to start submitting my work for publication, um, 
you know, in the early 2000s, for sure, the, the conventional wisdom was, hey, you know, you, you write short stories and you sell them to really cool professional markets and editors recognize your name and then they'll want to buy your novel when you have one. And it was sort of this stair step of, you know, one, one get from point A to point B. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I had uh, a fair amount of success with short stories early on and, uh, you know, started working on novels and uh, wrote, uh, like I said, several of them. And, um, you know, ultimately some were good, some were bad. And, and um, one of them is, you know, still being shopped. So uh, fingers crossed on that. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of uh, going through that process um, came to the conclusion that, I prefer writing short stories. Um, you know, short stories uh, as a reader, I, I, I love them. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would almost always choose a short story collection uh, from a from a, a single writer than uh, than a novel. Although, you know, of course, I read all of it, but um, I, I just love short stories and short story collections. And and ultimately, I, I don't think that for me, at least, they're a means to an end like I, I maybe initially thought. I think you know, just in and of themselves, the short story is the goal. Um, you know, I, I, if I publish a novel, I'll be very excited about it. And if I, you know, do nothing but keep writing uh, these little short stories, then I'm happy with that too. I, I you know, it's it, it's kind of the, um, you know, it, it is my my end goal as much as anything else. Sure. Maybe, maybe the novella route. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, oh, believe me, I, I'm a, I I that's that's. I love novellas. I think it's such a perfect link for, uh, you know, for the type of stuff I like, you know, horror and, and dark fantasy and science fiction. It's just a, a really good, um, you know, as I, like I said, a short story collection, I'll read a novella before a novel. I mean, uh, and then the fact that, you know, they are, um, you know, it's a lot easier these days to find homes for uh, novellas, you know, as a standalone book than uh, it, it was for a long time. Uh, you know, historically, I, you know, I think if you look at a lot of the older uh, fantasy and science fiction novels, um, a, a lot of them were novella length. We just didn't call them that at the time. You know, I've always loved really short novels, uh, and that's really kind of what they are. So, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I had, uh, uh, I actually have a novella that um, I'm. Uh, doing a little bit of expanding on right now, and then we're going to be shopping that one as well. So I, I uh, novellas uh, are certainly in my plans, but you know, kind of my my goal is 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 just to make sure that I don't um, I don't let anything overtake the short stories because um, you know I I kind of had a, a lot of momentum with it for a while and and uh, uh, lost some traction and 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 I feel like I have that again. So uh, I really enjoy writing them, uh, and and I plan to keep doing it. Yeah. Um. So. There is this thing. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I used to write short stories constantly. And then I started selling novels, and the novels kind of subsumed the short stories. So that these days, you know, I mean, I write two or three or four short stories a year. Um, and and that seems a shame, honestly, um, because I like the form so much. Well, um, you, you'll hear you'll hear a lot of short fiction editors, you know, lament the fact that they're some of their writers, you know, move on to novels because now they're not writing short fiction anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just you know, and and I think that that's okay too. You know, it just depends on what uh, what your preferences. If your end goal is, hey, I want to be a novelist, um, that's fantastic. If if you uh, if you say, hey, I want to be, um, you know. Uh, 
strictly a short story writer, that's fantastic too. Well, it is. And especially when I can imagine your short stories being read around a crackling fire on a campground or something, yeah. they, they lend themselves beautifully to that sort of creepy feeling. It's, it's midwinter now. Do you have any midwinter stories you'd recommend for us? Have you gone that direction? The ghost stories of Christmas and the shortest days of the year? Oh my gosh. Like that, uh, just stories that I've written or just some of my favorites that I. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, on the spot here. Um, uh, you know, I, I, um, it, most of what I've, I've put out lately, I think has more of a, um, a fall kind of feel. Uh, although I have, um, and, and I'll do it just as a little plug. I have a story coming here in a few months, uh, that I think is more of a, a late harvest <laughs> to midwinter kind of story, uh, in a, in a new magazine called the Deadlands. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Deadlands is a, you know, I, when you say midwinter, that, that just pops into my head because it's, it's a really fantastic new, um, dark fiction magazine, uh, with, uh, you know, short fiction, uh, poetry, nonfiction, uh, all about death. Uh, (laughs) it's, you know, in, in, on the surface, that sounds fairly gloomy, but it's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's all, uh, um, it's all making model of death. Right. So, so it, it, it explores it from a lot of different, uh, angles and, and some of the nonfiction in there is really fantastic. And the, the stories are are great. It's a, it's a cool little magazine. Um, and, uh, you know, anyone kind of seeking out something with that, uh, vibe, I think would, would really, uh, be well served to check that out. I'm delighted that they have an ask a necromancer write in. It makes me wonder if Jonathan Howard is involved at all because his Johannes Cabal necromancer is my favorite. Yeah, no, that, that, and that's a really cool column. And, and actually, um, that's written by uh, Amanda Downham, who is a Armadillocon oh. regular. So take it full circle back to Armadillocon. <laughs> we know Amanda. That's yeah. lovely. So you have one coming up right now. Do you have any, um, what do you think you have coming out besides the, uh, the Deadlands? Do you have any other pieces that we can be looking forward for holding our breath? Yeah, the 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 story from the Deadlands is is uh, I'm not exactly sure when it's happening. It's within the next uh, few months. I have a flash fiction coming out probably within the next uh, well, very shortly uh, from the Arcanist, uh, a cool uh, uh, online uh, flash fiction uh, magazine, uh, and I have a story called uh, Thaw that is going to appear in an anthology called Darkness Blooms from the people who who uh, do the Dread Machine. Uh, site who's published some of my stuff. Um, re- that's a, uh, you know, you mentioned winter stories. That one um, I wrote um, hot on the heels of the kind of uh, the really awful winter weather that Texas had last February where, mm-hmm. um, you know, half the state was without power for a long time. And so that was uh, kind of exercising that from my bones. I think uh, it's called Thaw and, and, and it's a very cold story. I, I can only imagine, I mean, between the the winter and the plague and the everything, I'm both looking forward to and fearing some of the short stories we're going to be seeing over the next two years. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that that's the only one I can think of that was sort of directly inspired um, by all of that. But um, I, I, I know I'm going to have more of that kind of creeping into uh, the stories I'm, I'm working on now. Um, I, I also, you know, recently had 
um, had a story called, um, uh, well, in a, in a uh, magazine called Weird Horror, um, which is a fantastic new uh, horror magazine. It's, it's issue three. So they, they put out um, uh, two issues uh, a year, and that one's called A Red Promise in the Palm of Your Hand. Um, and it's kind of, um, it was sort that of sounds dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's fairly dark. And it, it kind of ties in with uh, some of the stories in Fantastic Americana. I, there's, there's two stories in there, The Guadalupe Witch and um, uh, February Moon. And those are both part of a, a loose, loosely connected world that's kind of in my brain. So I, I set out a, a few years ago just uh, for whatever reason, just wanting to write monster stories set in old Texas. And so anywhere from, you know, the um, from 1800 to 1900, basically. And I, I kind of joking, jokingly thought, hey, if I could just do a bunch of universal monster stories in old Texas, wouldn't that be cool? And, you know, February Moon came out, which was kind of a – uh, which is a werewolf story, basically. Yeah. Um, it, and, uh, you know, Guadalupe, uh, which is, is about a witch. And I, I and um, I have a, another story that hasn't seen the light of day yet. That's kind of the creature from the black lagoon. And, you know, so it, it's, um, they don't really tie into one another, but they all kind of fit at least in my brain in that same little uh, box of stories together. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to uh to get some more of those going as well and in the story in, in weird horror is one of those well i love that you have a paul bunyan and i have not read it yet but here's my question are they roughly which one of them is the kaiju that is uh that they fight and then become best friends together <laughs> <laughs> the there there potentially is a kaiju in the um uh Creature from the Black Lagoon story, so stay tuned. <laughs> I, I think it was Babe the Blue Ox is the kaiju, and the good samurai monster hunter that tames him is is Paul with his tool, his axe. See, I was kind of going the other way. If what if for the first time the human was the horrible monster, and Babe was just a real practical cow that said, "Okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to grow into this here and defeat that." I think in a Josh Roundtree story, we're going to have to bet on yours because it's more horrific. <laughs> yeah, even if I even if I don't try, the you know the horror creeps in because I love horror. Uh, and so even in the science fiction stuff, um, and and I don't think of you know uh, a lot of the stories in here are you know I think more fantasy than horror. Um, but I've talked to people who are like, no, that kind of creeped me out. So. Um, I, I think, you know, hopefully if, if you, uh, if you love horror like I do, then, you know, there's something here too. No, um, I, I can confirm there really is. Um, though there is no reason on this planet why um, fantasy should not also creep you out. You know, no, I mean, absolutely. Um, there is an argument that all horror is fantasy or most of horror is fantasy. Yeah, no, yeah, unless you're talking um, about, you know, very, uh, you know, real world psychological horror I, I absolutely agree with that you know and and i uh, a lot of the stuff like you know i mentioned february moon and some of those um i i think of them um more as uh dark fantasy type stories um but you know not in a way that i would distance myself from horror right i mean i certainly see some some people who go oh you know we that i don't do horror i do dark fantasy no i i write horror 
Um, I, I guess, you know, when I, when I sort of categorize them that way in my brain, it's, um, it, it's not as horrific to me as, you know, maybe other things that I've written or, uh, you know, other stories that I love. So I think of them as, oh, these are, these are just really dark fantasy stories. Ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, if it's a, um, dark, uh, uh, weird, creepy story that, you know, you like, then all the better. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, was, I think it was Doug Winter who said that horror is not a genre, it's an emotion. Yes. Um, and I really like that. I think that's strong. Well, I, uh, you know, I, um, you know, whether I uh, set out to write, I, I really never sit down and go, okay, so right now I'm going to write a fantasy story or, a, you know, I, yeah. I, I kind of sit down and, and all those, um, hopefully have, you know, all those, tools in the tool bag and and you know what ultimately gets put together just sort of is what it is and it it's certainly not a great way to you know uh, make any kind of you know marketable fiction but uh it, it's a way to have fun and, and hopefully write you know stories that i like <laughs> yeah um, I, I i i once wrote a novel that was commissioned as a crime novel um was then going to be published as mainstream fiction and ended up coming out as horror. Um, yeah, it's those those categories are as much about what publishers think about what the market will take as they are about actual internal um, stuff. Yeah, really, it's it's about you know where where are we going to put this on a bookstore shelf? Uh, yeah. You know, more than anything else, and I, I think that. Um, you know, there are definitely occasions where where I say, okay, I'm trying to write a story for a specific market, and you may take that into mind. But more often than not, I'm just writing um, whatever story I want to be writing at the time. And when I finish, I try and figure out, you know, where the market lies. Yeah, where might be a good home for it. Um, uh, and, and and what I, you know, the stuff I love to read is is typically, you know, kind of a, a mismatch. I don't think there's any reason these days to 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 say oh well i'm doing science fiction so i can't really put you know any of that in it we'll put whatever you want to in it you know yeah. um again i mean i had i had this lovely argument in a, in a um in a car with a friend who was asserting that if you're writing science fiction it cannot have magic and i think that's ridiculous because yeah i mean we, you we, tell them they're not your real mom, because that's, yeah. <laughs> that's perfectly where that phrase goes. Yeah. Um, we live in a world where, yeah, I mean, I don't believe in magic, and and a science fictional world expanded from here would contain an awful lot of people like me who don't believe in magic. And if we can write fiction set in in the contemporary world, which has magic, then there's no reason on God's good planet why we can't write fiction in a science fictional world which also has magic and if it's going to make the story fun or better in it why would you limit yourself yeah. yes uh, you know you're essentially you're handcuffing yourself out of the gate if you say well i can't do this with this yes. um I, I read plenty of fantastic writers who who don't care about that whatsoever i mean that that's i'm drawn to that so yeah it's um, I, I say, write what you what you love and what you you know say what you want to say, and um, you know, ultimately you'll you'll find people who who feel the same way. Yeah, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but can you give us a quick roll call of your favorite writers? Oh gosh, uh, that's Ooh. a uh, my favorite short fiction yeah. writer. Um, 
at least contemporary short fiction writer is Kelly Link for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's, that won't be any, any revelation, anyone who loves short <laughs> stories. I mean, she's just phenomenal. It, it, one of those writers that, um, that I read and I, I think about just like, you know, putting the laptop away and, you know, finding uh, something else to do with my spare time. Yes. But, no, she, she's, she's a truly uh, phenomenal uh, writer. Really uh, she got, she got a, a, a MacArthur Genius Award. Yeah. And I, 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 I can't overstate how amazing uh, her writing is. It, there's a, a new short story anthology that um, Ellen Datlow uh, mm-hmm. uh, put out. That's uh, it, it's basically uh, uh, stories um, that are homages to Shirley Jackson. Yes. called Things Get Dark, and I can't remember Kelly's story in that, but it is just jaw-droppingly good. It's one of those I just read it and had to close the book and just, you know, soak it in for a little bit because it was so uh, so phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned that um, Larry McMurtry is one of my favorite writers. Uh, Lonesome Dove is my favorite book. It's, you know, it's, it's 900 pages of not a whole lot happening, and it just, it, it's just that book's my soul. I love it so much. It, it's uh, it really does. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's the Texas thing or if it's it's just you know it it will it will do that to you in general. But it just really, um, like I mentioned, just sort of deconstructs that whole uh, you know myth of the American West and and uh, you know gives you something new and fresh with it. Um, the uh, uh, I love. Uh, I've always loved Joe Lansdale's uh, work. Uh, I got into his short fiction uh, back in the '90s, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've read everything he's ever read. And he's he's a really fantastic example of um, you know writers who uh, really don't care what you're looking for. You know that he's going to he he'll he'll have. Um, you know, he'll take a, he'll do, he'd do a science fiction Western. He'd do, you know, anything he, you know, in, in really, I think he was an early example for me of kind of what you can do if you sort of take the, um, take the reins off, um, kind of from that, that same school, uh, Howard Waldrop is a stunningly good short story writer. Um, you know, who, uh, I think a lot of the, the times when I'm taking kind of, you know, different ideas and, um, like the, uh, the stuff from chasing America where I say, oh, okay, let's take, uh, Paul Bunyan, uh, being pursued by, uh, Jack, the giant killer and yeah. sort of put that together with, Hey, I was just rereading on the road. And that's kind of what comes out the, you know, out the end of it. So, um, he, he's just the best at doing that sort of thing. So he's yes. certainly been a big, how Waldrop is the short story writer's short story writer, I think. Yeah, for um, sure. And 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 I noticed he also gave you a blurb for his book. Uh, it was actually um, the, that was from the foreword that he kindly wrote for my first collection in two thousand. Oh, wow! Yeah. Wow! You so got- he, he's a uh, he, I, I can't you know and he he's also an armadillocon regular so we kind of have a, there's a little circle of uh, Texas folks that kind of pop up there, um, but yeah Howard is is just a tremendous writer. Um, <laughs> When I, when I talk about, you know, short story writers that, you know, uh, that aren't just influences, but people that work now that I'm really impressed by, um, the, they're just, I mean, there are dozens and dozens, but um, two of the better collections I've read recently, um, ACY has put out a collection called The Ghost Sequences. Uh, she's been one of my favorite uh, modern short fiction writers for many years. We 
uh, were in magazines together, you know, back in the early to mid 2000s. And, and I, I kind of seek out, you know, anything that she writes. Uh, and that collection is, uh, uh, as the title would suggest, you know, a lot of her darker uh, ghostly kind of stories. And it's just really, really good. Um, and um, the other, uh, probably my other favorite collection in the last year or so is uh, uh, Veronica Shanus, uh had a collection from Tor uh, called The Burning Girls. And it was a lot of her um, stuff that appeared in, in uh, Tor.com, but also other magazines over the years. Um, and if you, uh, as we touched on earlier, if you like uh, Joe Strummer and The Clash, you're going to want to check that book out too. Okay. <laughs> I will I will put all these links and Josh, if you want to send me a, a list of your favorites and inspiration, I will put that on our liner notes um, along with along with the other topics we've mentioned on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was great and a little creepy. Awesome. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. I, I, you know, the, the opportunity to be on here and to, to uh, talk about the book and talk about writing and just hang out. Well, we were glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening. Sorry. <laughs> You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our men web support magic is by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Langberg. You can hear more from Michael Langberg on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs. And whatever dive bar near you is playing great music. And hey, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.